Hello and welcome to this Lloyd's List podcast. It's an exciting time to be involved in the maritime, digital and communications sectors. This past year has strengthened our need for communications, especially with home and family. But connectivity is more than human health and welfare. It's increasingly the conduit for driving data-led decision-making for maritime operations. And that means improved energy efficiency, higher levels of safety and better protection for the environment. We've been exploring different avenues for each of these disciplines for several years now with varying degrees of success. One of the harder nuts to crack is remote operations. Technologists are getting closer year by year and slowly there's a growing awareness that better interaction between humans and machines offers dynamic solutions for the human element as well. My name is Richard Clayton and I'm Chief Correspondent at Lloyd's List. Joining me for this podcast is Tora Morton Olsen, President of Marlink's Maritime Division. Tora has spent much of his career at the point where satellite communications and maritime overlap. He's currently working on a Ross project, Remote Operated Service at Sea, with the French offshore services operator, Sea Owl. So, Tora, welcome to this uh, podcast. Um, you've become an advocate of the five R's of remote operations. Can you quickly run through these for me? What are they, and when do you expect each of these elements to come to market? So, thank you very much, uh, Richard, for uh, for inviting me to um, to this uh, podcast. And, and yes, for sure, I'll be happy to to take you through the the five R's and 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 what they what they mean. Uh, for us, the, 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 it starts with re- remote voyage support, and, and then this is something uh, that is already in place in the market and has been for a while. Uh, but naturally, technology and the need for digitalization that has been accelerated by the pandemic. Is, is driving the usage. Uh, it is about connecting bridge and shore teams so that they have the same view of the instrument and data and, and the health of the different systems on board. And quite often using the same collaborative software tools as we uh, have all grown common to use onshore, particularly during the, the last uh, year. I think the biggest contribution here is, is really to safety, uh, enabling uh, the managers onshore to know in real time uh, that the vessel is where it is supposed to be uh, and reducing risk for, for any grounding or, or collision. And then the ability of proactively advise crew uh, on board to take actions if, uh, if needed. So that is the first R. Uh, the second one, uh, which I think we see a lot of today, is about remote installation and support. Many uh, shipping companies have strong restrictions uh, in terms of the pandemic to uh, to prevent uh, unnecessary visits on board to keep uh, the crew uh, safe and healthy. Uh, uh, and this is uh, really accelerating the need for any technology provider uh, that are interacting with the vessel to be able to do uh, software installations, do upgrades, do health checks on uh, on their equipment and also to perform monitoring. Uh, including automation of processes that uh, that previously had to be done on board or, or um, uh, e- even by a remote expert or by by the crew themselves. 
The third one is uh, is also very interesting. It's about remote compliance. And you know, in compliance, there are two aspects. First of all, you need to train your people and make sure that they have the right certificates to conduct the work they should do on board. But secondly, uh, they also need uh, to allow class and, and inspections to take place to um, visualize the conditions of the equipment on board. And here, uh, remote um, uh, compliance uh, plays in the fact that uh, by having proper communication means, video, uh, helmets, CCTS, etc., we can really both collect data and make sure it's provided to the surveyors uh, in a uh, standardized form that will enable them to uh, support uh, virtual surveys. So that's um, another important uh, aspect. Then the fourth one is also probably the oldest one. I think we've talked about it for much more than a decade, which is about remote uh, medicine or telemedicine, as um, as you may know it. This has been around and it's been used in, in many areas onshore, but the adoption to date has been fairly limited um, in the maritime market. It shares the same undeniable logic as other remote operation, uh, which is about increasing visibility, uh, inc improving the communication between uh, the ship and the expert, and enabling decisions based on data that can be measured on the patient instantly. And of course, uh, it's it's very expensive to do medivacs. So for people to avoid uh, or have being able to avoid uh, an unnecessary medivac based on on factual data is a significant saving for uh, the ship uh, managers or ship owners. The last one is uh, is uh, the, also the, by far the most complex one. It's the remote operations, which is, uh, you know, can we control the vessel uh, without having uh, a master uh, navigation team, engineering teams on board, but rather put them on shore, take them away from the ship and let them work together in a room to remotely control the ship from shore. And this is uh, a lot of what we have been doing and working with SeaOwl to make this, uh, this happen. This is, is a difficult task. It's complex, requires a lot of, of interaction between uh, uh, class approvals, flag state requirements, technology providers, and not at least uh, the ship owners. But we have proven it successful with um, the SeaOwl uh, uh, trials that have been conducted. Um, you mentioned telemedicine. Uh, and that has been under development over over 10 years or so. I mean, have the other uh, applications here been worked on at the same time or have has COVID really kickstarted this into something much better than it was before? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a continuous process of evolutions. I think we have worked on on all of these aspects to a smaller or larger degree for for many years. Uh, but I think the COVID and the need for the ship to 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 act and, and, and behave in a new way has really accelerated uh, both the technology development, but not at least the maturity of the client base to to start thinking uh, in this direction. I think it's uh, it's it's all about the business priorities of the customer, and I think uh, voyage support um, that requires coordination and functional process. But in most cases, the data from the bridge systems are already concentrated and available, and can be brought to shore as well. Remote installations and remote compliance is a bit the same thing. It was already happening, uh, but both of them have really been accelerated by by the pandemic. And if you take a look at the remote medicine part. 
I think the potential savings there in terms of uh, of life and cost of diversion are huge uh, and are becoming more and more obvious as um, ship operators are becoming uh, more dependent on digital tools in their their daily daily life. So I would say it's a, it's a continued uh, evolution. Uh, it's about the priorities of of the ship owners, uh, and I think there's a lot of of people in the industry that are working on creating new standards for clean, smart, and efficient shipping that is really based on data management, communication, and 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 digitalization. So so thinking about remote operations, the most complex of these uh, these applications, as you say, um, it's a bit of an amalgamation of all the others, and all kind of wrapped into the same um, package. Is the industry ready for remote operations now? This is um, it's a challenging topic, to be honest. I think the industry has been talking for quite some time about autonomous shipping, which is not really what is happening today, because autonomous shipping, uh, for many, means removing all crew from the vessel. And I, I don't see that uh, being a driving force at all. But uh, to do this in, in, a, in a meaningful scale uh, requires a lot more work from regulatory uh, bodies, uh, from technology providers. Uh, it also needs to be socially accepted and not at least it needs to be driven by a business case. And we don't see that being the direction for, for most maritime uh, companies at the moment. But it has the potential to create uh, value. Uh, and I think in some segments of the market, such as proven in, in the offshore market, surely putting experts onshore, uh, allowing them to work with multiple vessels, uh, has a clear benefit to the companies. And um, it's all about finding ways that uh, the owners can actually improve efficiency and potentially save money from digitalization. But I would say uh, remote operations is probably uh, not the first of the elements that we will be see uh, be seeing taking um, taking off in the marketplace. Mm, interesting. So so let's uh, talk about the Sea Owl project here. What what was the goal? Um, and who were the other shareholders that you had to bring on board to make this work? Yeah, it's an interesting case. And the goal really for for uh, Sea Owl was uh, to both uh, take care of the safety aspects of an uh, OSV operation and improve their their operational efficiency. As you know, a vessel like this quite often operates in harsh environments, uh, which uh, results in operational dangers, both uh, for the crews and for the vessel, but also at often very high fixed cost, as the level of expertise required is very high. Seawell, they recognized that if they could control uh, the OSV from shore, they could address both these issues, removing the risk to the human on board and also improve their, their efficiency. And this was a very complex uh, level of work. The collaboration was uh, required between parties, both on the regulatory side, so the class society and the flag states. And of course, with a various of technology providers providing different systems to Seawell, uh, and not at least us as a technology and connectivity provider, and who really integrated all of that. In particular, it means that you know we needed to provide a system that consistently uh, provided high enough quality to uh, be trustworthy, also from a regulatory perspective. 
So it's not something that you can do with with a standard VSET connection or 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 what uh, what you have on board. Uh, it needs really a complete network design around the application and functionality, with the proper level of redundancy, with a set of managed services, and and naturally with the cybersecurity aspects uh, completely under control. So a tough one, but uh, we did uh, prove together with CIOL that it is doable. This isn't the first project of this type, is it? Um, what makes the CIOL project different from anything you've worked with before? I think uh, if you look at the other areas of the market where this is happening, it's typically point-to-point uh, -point ferries or, or liner services that are, are going uh, close to shore and in, in fixed routes. Uh, but with Seawall, uh, which uh, being in the offshore support market, it's uh, it has to be able to go anywhere um, and operate in any kind of environment. So the uh, the requirements in terms of regulation, in terms of uh, maintaining the levels of safety, uh, and also on the uh, cybersecurity side, is much much higher for a vessel that you really uh, control in any environment uh, compared to those that are are going in fixed route like a like a shuttle bus, if you, if if you like. Um, the, the challenge uh, is, uh, of course, uh, for a very specialized operations in exploration and energy, um, this, uh, this is complex and uh, they don't know to today where they will need to go tomorrow. If you overshoot uh, an area and you find something interesting, you, you may want to turn the vessel and go back. And, uh, and that requires quite a, a big difference in complexity compared to for instance, an electric electrical ferry, which we also have in the Norwegian fjord, that is is going uh, fixed point to point. So um, it, it's an obvious question, really, but I, I'm not sure the answer is obvious. Um, we've we've looked at uh, an offshore support vessel here. Is this technology applicable to a bulk carrier or a tanker or a container ship in the future? Yeah, very good question. And I guess if we had the crystal ball, we could probably give an accurate answer to this. So, so this becomes a more of more of a speculation. But uh, I'm not sure we will uh, see uh, a, co a completely remotely operated vessel in uh, in uh, those markets. We need to realize that it is extremely expensive. It takes a huge amount of money and resources uh, to get past all these hurdles uh, to to make it a viable option um, in the you know, container or, or tanker market. And it's also a matter of priority for uh, for the owners. I think uh, right now decarbonization is, is, a, is a much more important topic. Uh, of yeah. course, operational efficiency uh, as always. Um, so I think we have to wait uh, for a certain period until we see a full remote operation. But there are already elements of it, such as, you know, the remote voyage part, such as, uh, you know, the online uh, data capturing, uh, optimized ship routing, you know, just-in-time arrivals in port so you don't have to wait. That can be uh, be leveraged today. So, uh, so even though I think we will probably wait a long time before we see remote operations, I think we already see uh, companies benefiting from elements that we have used in, um, in this project. Very good. Thank you. Now, Marlink's research has shown the importance of embracing technology while keeping humans in that loop. What, what role do you see uh, seafarers playing alongside remote operations in future? We used to talk maybe five years ago about uh, you know the vision of completely crewless ships that operates away from port for long periods. I, I I really don't see that being a key driver, and I really believe the crew on board has a key role to play also in in the future. 
I think what the pandemic has shown us is is it's a great demand to to be able to collaborate with people on board uh, using tools like Teams and Zoom that are are, are simply not designed for for usage at sea, you know, via a satellite link, but which we would like to use because it can be used to share data, images, uh, documents, chats, uh, providing evidence, and so on. So I think you will have have a important level of crew on board uh, that uh, will need to interact and operate more to, uh, together with the people onshore as a simply a remote office. And of course, uh, social communication is, is going to be important on top of that as, as well for them. I do believe that uh, more remote tools, more data capturing will help also the crew on board to be much more efficient in the, the job they do and thereby being able to improve the efficiency for the vessel operators. So thank you for that, Tore. That's a fascinating insight into not only what's happening today, but what could be happening in the next two or three years uh, as we develop this, this, this technology. As you've said, while remote operations is unlikely to be practical for all ships of all types on all trades, uh, the work Marlink has already done has opened the door to a better understanding of what can be achieved to bring about safe, reliable and sustainable operations. Now, if you need to find out uh, a little more about what Malik is doing in, in this area with the, the Ross project, um, go to the company's remote operations landing page, www.marlink.com. Tora, thank you very much. And thank you to you all for listening. Thank you. Thank you.